Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 136. I've just done something that's made me think I am a buffoon. On the 108th episode, I think it was, was the last time we posted a video to YouTube. We're obviously almost 30 since then. And every single time when I say, welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast insert number, I throw my hands up as if to welcome you, but you can't see me, so I don't really know why I do that. Um, but yeah, welcome back to R2Cast number 136. The last episode we had was with Ben Best. You might not know the name, but you probably know the social media account he runs, Dalscon Farm, a farm that is genuinely probably a stone's throw from here, if I could throw a stone half a mile. Um, so yeah, really good social media account. Uh, and one of the biggest in the country. And I believe, I believe they're the biggest Facebook Live producing farm, sorry, Facebook Live farm producing content in the world, I believe. Um, so yeah, very cool, really cool to deep dive into the analytics with another nerd such as myself. <clears throat> so that was good fun. Uh, the next episode will have number 137. I've just realized number 147 has to be a snooker player. I have to get a snooker player for that. That'll be quite good fun. But 137 is a man who's famous in Norway. Uh, it's not Erlen Haaland. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. It is, in fact, a guy called Martin Holman. So if you were to consider um, sort of children's TV here in the UK, who do you think? Someone like, um, what's the guys used to say bogeys? What was their name? Dick and Dom. Um, they're sort of like, the, he's like the Dick and Dom uh, of Norway. And he genuinely is a big deal. It's really cool. I met him out in Tanzania and I met him and I was like, this guy has more energy than me, and that is uh, worrying, actually, for the planet. Um, but that's the next episode, and another another good episode coming there. That'll be part of the, the all-in series with Ed Martin, so it'll be good to bring that back. It's been quite some time just with being in Africa and being away. We didn't manage to sort of keep up on that side of things. Episodes coming on that side are a rugby player, Martin on TV, Bethany, who is, well, maybe not to assume gender, but given her name is Bethany, I'm sure you can work it out. Uh, Bethany's female and went into construction apprenticeship, which was quite, I don't want to say rare, but it wasn't common. Um, and she was award-winning at it, and she's had quite a life since then. She's got into a lot of fitness, some pretty crazy lifts she's been doing. She also did Everest Base Camp and had to get flown out because of uh, convocation. So, yeah, a really cool story there as well. Quite a lot coming on that side of things. Today we welcome, however, episode 136 with a man who is one of, I think it's 12 people who've been on more than one R2 cast. Quite an elite crew, uh, to be honest. And, and I believe it's up there with an OBE. Uh, and today's guest is Mr. Grant Barr. Grant, would you like to say hello? Hello, I'm Grant. You are Grant and I'm Wallace. Yeah. And it's a pleasure to meet you. Um just before we get started with another episode of the R2 cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan Rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Looking forward to this, Grant. Yeah. Good, mate. Good. It was actually really weird when I asked Grant because um, 
and I don't I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose why he was getting in touch with me, so I'll just say he was getting in touch. I basically messaged Grant, and his plan was to message me about 10 minutes later, completely unrelated to this, with another request. So it was quite strange. Um, and here we are, uh, here we are filming away. Grant and I, I don't think would have met the last time you were on the podcast. No, I think the first time you and I met was at the day we were tidying of the Highland Show before. Tidying for the Highland Show. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was a yeah. It'd be the setup before it. Yeah, definitely. A ridiculously hot day, uh, moving some heavy things. Um, but apart from that, uh, had a good time at Highland as well. And uh, yeah, aside that, not really met Grant much in real life before. Uh, however, I've been a big fan of quite a few of the things he does, um, or sort of what he posts about on social media, which we will get into as we go. Um, but before we do, Grant, you, your uh, farm is a bit of a all trades, if you will. It's, it covers it covers all facets. Could you tell us a bit about the home farm? Yeah, so we're a farm in Fife, uh, just outside Cowden Beath. We've got about six hundred acres and old money. Um, where we've got some, we've got about two hundred dairy cows that we milk through four uh, Lely robots. So that's kind of the main bit of the farm. Aside for that, we'll buy in about. 200 beef cattle every year to finish um, as well as about a thousand store lambs that we'll finish uh, through throughout the year as well and sell them back to the markets um, we'll also buy in about 200 hogs that we'll top each year and then sell them all with hogs with lambs at foot and kind of May time uh, as well as growing about 250 acres of our own cereals that is mostly for our own use of feed on the farm so uh, I like you said, jack of all trades, maybe not the master master of none, but uh, kind of old school way uh, farming. But uh, we kind of modernised it a bit here and there, and all the sectors kind of play off each other really well, I think. And tell us, I, I always quite like asking this question. I'm guessing if you have robots, you used to not have robots. Um, yep. Tell us about that transition. So it'd be when I was 18, so that'll be nine years ago now, giving away my age. Um, we put these robots in. It was kind of the old parlour was pretty much done. And uh, we decided we we're going to need to do something else. And it was either we went for a rotary parlour and put more cows on, or we went for robots and tried to maximise what we've got. And uh, I'm really glad we went the robot way. It's kind of opened up a bit more life for us on the farm. It's made things a bit more... You can do it when you've got time, not uh, necessarily set hours like the parlour was. And uh, it's a lot less labour intensive as kind of one guy can can work away for a few hours in the morning and a few hours at night. Uh, as long as they don't phone you for breakdowns or whatnot throughout the day or even worse through the night. But uh, no, they're on all the time. And uh, it's definitely it's increased our milk yield anyway and productivity when the cows. What, what are they milking? Is it about 2.8 times? It's about yeah. Isn't it? yeah. They say you want to get to the magic number of three, and then you sh you should be kind of thirty five to forty liters of milk. But you notice if one's been shut down, then the whole thing kind of grinds to a stop a wee bit. Yeah. It's kind of something that needs to keep moving. Is that is that Holstein's? Is it? Yeah, Holstein freezing. Holstein freezing. Um, on the beef side of things, so no sucklers. Is that right? No. No, I kind of decided that'd be too much for us. So, uh, no, we'll just buy we'll just buy in stores, which uh, is not too intensive, really. You just put them at grass in the summer and then fatten them with with barley and silage in the winter. And uh, there's not too much for that. Are you um, 
on the dairy side, do you manage to sell de- uh, bull calves easier? What's the plan there? <clears throat> well, we, we actually do our own bull beef. So we've right. got our own, shed shed, our own shed set up where we can kind of move them down. And that's where a lot of the barley will go to, to getting these, this bull beef because you want them kind of fattened and off the farm within 16 months right. uh, to get the, the best price for them. Yeah, definitely. And how many how many store lambs did you say? It was a thousand? Aye, a thousand. The, we, we get a bit of rent from our neighbour who's a dairy farm as well, so we can kind of run them all over his for most of the winter. And then we grow stubble turnips at home that we'll just finish them on in January, February time and hopefully have them all kind of gone by March. As, uh, and on the arable side, what was it, sorry? About 250 acres, so yeah. about 100 hectares. Yeah. Uh, Aye, to sort of work in together. Um, yeah. yeah. Aye. I'd probably say we're quite a, a green farm that we, we grow yeah. all our feed and it doesn't really leave the farm. It just all gets bruised and uh, and milled. And then we've got the straw there as well. We don't really need to buy in straw either because we've got that much kind of about. The straw is almost as, as useful to us as what the grain is, to be fair. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're really not selling any crop-based products at all, no? Uh, uh, we'll, sell, we'll probably sell about 200 tonne feed barley. Like, it's nothing. It's not any malt and stuff it's just surplus of what we've got but we need to grow that much to get the straw uh, which the dung at the back of that is almost as, as important yeah, yeah. Oh, you, 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 even the way you speak about it it's quite clear you're sort of looking at it as like a circular economy isn't it Cir- circular yes circular yeah um, no good good stuff I also like, quite like to get a bit of a number crunch of all the farms and sort of see what folks background are when you were younger Grant um, you've got siblings haven't you yeah, I've got two wee brothers. Two wee brothers. And it was farming, what was what was the plan for the future for all of you? Uh, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say at like a young age I was a mad farm kid, to be honest. I probably didn't do overly much when I was in primary school. And then yeah. kind of, well, no, towards well, towards the end of primary school, kind of, I'd go out. I would bring the cows in and the quad bike and that. But that was more just because it was fun than uh, <laughs> actually <laughs> what I was doing. And then feeding the calves and that. And then it was probably, I wouldn't really have driven a tractor till I was kind of 13, 14. I wasn't like 10 year old driving a tractor like like you hear a lot of folk. And uh, just probably the way we were, we're kind of brought up. Dad wasn't overly pushy with it. But then kind of when I went to secondary school, it was, I was finding myself more interested in the farm than I kind of was school, which I'm not saying is a great way to be, but it was kind of the way I was. And then that's the road that I kind of took come the end of, the end of fifth year, that was about the only thing I wanted to do was go to agricultural college. So uh, it kind of grew into me a wee bit then. I was kind of forced upon me. Uh, and uh, to be fair, now the lifestyle, everything, it's just I, I wouldn't have changed anything. And right. then my youngest youngest brother, he doesn't, he was no interest in the farm. So he, uh, he builds play parks for quite a good company that kind of go all over the UK uh, and do kind of high-end play parks so it's kind of he's learning a trade there as well so it's yeah. not a disaster and then the youngest brother he's uh, just left SRUC Edinburgh um, and I think he's going yeah he is going to New Zealand this year to to learn how to work for somebody else which is maybe one of my biggest regrets is I never went away and worked for someone else yeah uh, in life what was your brother just last name out of interest Scott Scott would um, did he graduate this year? Yeah. Yeah. Were you Were you at his graduation? No, I wasn't even at my own. Uh, <laughs> my dad went. No, you maybe would have saw him. He looks oh, well, just 
like me, but with less hair and slightly fatter, but it's getting the gaps getting smaller all the time. <laughs> the gaps getting smaller. The gaps getting smaller when you walk through the door, or the gaps. Yeah. Getting... <laughs> oh well, between me and him, we almost fit the same boiler suits. It's getting worrying, but. No, the reason I say is uh, they would be unfortunate to be exploited to me um, being the speaker uh, at this year's graduation. Oh, uh, what are you? If you if you mention to your old man and to your brother, then I was the one who said the principal SRUC doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, that was me. <laughs> I never mentioned that. They just said it was boring. But I only asked them that. I know. I, th- I think they, that was what I was saying. Uh, yeah, for sure. I thought that went without saying. Uh, no, good stuff. Good to hear. And. Um, where did you go? Was it Edinburgh you went to? I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, Aplan Rural. Aplan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates, the UK over, and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm, from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years, or a fancy new and exciting diversification. No, I actually went to Oatridge um, right. at the time. I don't really know why I went to Oatridge, but I kind of fancied it. Like I said, I didn't do over much farm, like in the farming, so I wasn't really born into me. So I quite like the hands-on side of it, just learning how to do other jobs and stuff. And uh, it was only four days a week as well, which I don't know why appealed to me more than five days. Uh, it just did. So I decided to go Orange. And I got really lucky, to be fair. The year I had was was brilliant. And I, I'm really glad I went there. I have no regrets going to Orange. And it was quite a... A kind of community feel to it with it being smaller. You'll kind of get it at Barony a wee bit as well. Everyone will kind of. Yeah. I think, in fairness, even even when I was at Ayr, it was like that. Um, I know there was other other colleges, other universities there and stuff, but the SRUC and, to be honest, UWS sort of club together. But Barony and Oatridge have that nice feel, don't they, where they feel like you're on a farm. Um, yeah. They don't feel it. Like you are. Uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's quite positive. And I always hear people talking quite, quite positively about that um was it two years you've done there yeah nah, i did my hmd yeah um so, young farmers has been a big thing for you grant you always said you never sort of tra- uh, well i'm guessing when you said you never worked for anyone else you never traveled either or did you do nah, i haven't no which is another big regret of mine actually is never well it's, i suppose it's still not too late i might try and yeah. get some later on but I have never travelled with young farmers no which uh, I really should have I tried one a couple of times but I've never really quite been successful but I don't know why I kind of get to the stage I'm all keen to go and then for some reason I don't do it I don't know why that is but uh, well it's you do speak as if you're 94 with a few weeks left Uh, yeah I know I know I know (laughs) I don't know why I always do this I think oh it's so much past me by and I'm like but then I'm still only 27 so there's probably still a lot there that I could I could go and see. I, be, I went to Australia when I was 18, but that's just because my auntie lives there and we just kind of toured about Australia. There was nothing really agricultural about it or that, but I suppose it doesn't have to be. But um, we're, at, we're at a strange old age. I'm basically saying 26. And uh, we're at that age where we've done probably quite a lot, but also I think because, and I'm guessing someone like yourself is like this too, Grant, you're like, you're wanting to do more. You're wanting to, Whatever that might be, it doesn't matter what that minor successes or minor sort of progressions are. But because you're like that, you're like, shit, I've got no more time left. I need to do this. Yeah, thing. I don't yeah, know why. I, I kind of put in my head that my life stops at 30. I don't know why. Now I'm kind of like, 30 is coming and I need to try and do as much as I can now. I feel like I'm stuck in that film, Yes Man. I don't know if you've ever seen that. And I'm just saying yes to everything <laughs> and uh, all the consequences that are coming with it. But uh, so no, yeah. I enjoy it. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I think we said that off camera. Like, why we, we do have this idea in this country to you have to be set out by, you know, 50, have everything ready, you can retire and you have whatever you need. But I just love life, man, having a good time yeah. next week and stuff, you know, and I think there's 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 merits in that. Um, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, you, you've you been involved in Young Farmers. Were you one of the 14-year-old starters? Uh, I, uh, I'm maybe 15, actually. No, <laughs> I, or 16. Yeah. I, I was... Early enough that I didn't actually really know what it was. I was probably never really, like, mum and dad never really mentioned it. And I just got a random text one night from a random number saying they were going to pick me up. And uh, aye, and I ended up at a young farmer's meeting, luckily enough. But uh, in Here, and where I'm from, you can get done for that. But it, yeah, it's fine. If, no, that's what I'm saying. It was, before, it was back in the days when randoms could pick you up. Now it's all around the fun bit. No, I'm joking. <laughs> this country's gone to the dogs. I know, I know. Fuck's sake. <laughs> now you need to sign a form to pick random people up. Anyway, <laughs> no, I, I actually went to this cooking meeting and I got food poisoning. I was off school for three days after it, is how I remember my first ever young farmers meeting. <laughs> was um was the food poisoning from your cooking or otherwise? Yeah, yeah. It was the weirdest young farmers meeting we've ever done. I've never done anything like it since. We had to go and make our own chicken bread. I don't know, the chicken was like in the bread. I can't, surely it was doomed to fail from a start and then the guy went and put it in an oven and brought it back out and uh, and I mind they had to use salt and it was like this rock salt I was using and you were just like crunching through it and then I had, it still makes me feel sick to this day when I think about eating, why I ate it and then You're really putting the sand in sandwich for the sound of that. Um, yeah, the only time I've ever had food poisoning, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from your first ever young farmers meeting um, yeah, yeah I went back. this is it I know and, and tell us about going back tell us about your time in young farmers um, obviously uh, at quite a quite a notable level now as part of the SLT but tell yeah. us tell us about your first few years in young farmers so I joined obviously West Fife young farmers because that's the area we're in and that's the obvious one and it was actually really strong when I first joined there was a lot of older people so it was good so I was probably really quiet for the first two or three years easy Um never really spoke to much and you kind of just listened to everyone else because everyone else was that great a chat that you didn't really want to button with your kind of insufficient uh, banter and uh, no so I I can't really remember a lot of the first few years just kind of getting dragged along everything that seemed weird at the time like my first ever young farmers dance was I had no idea what to expect and it was probably the best thing that I'd ever been to <laughs> I couldn't wait to go to school and tell everyone I'd been at a dance and that and then uh, now they just seem normal, almost. But almost you feel you're too old for them. But uh, you do a bit, don't you? Yeah. Yes. Uh, some of them are. Some of them are fine. But it's when you can't find anyone older than you there, you're kind of starting to worry. Yeah. yeah there's not many of us left. Uh, no. Which is kind of tricky. Uh, no. And for like, what it's worth, I joined at that stage. <laughs> yeah. Last year. I know. So. <laughs> so then you find like I don't, I don't ever think I ever judged anyone ever being at a dance so it's not really unless it's like somebody's dad but then you quite like to see them there as well which is quite a good laugh uh, it's it, actually some of the best ones are the, the, the sort of club members parents and stuff like that or, or even yeah. even at that stage just ex-members that, that don't even have kids in it young enough and it's a uh, you get I certainly found it quite good at my stage joining to get to know those that were part of the club back in the day and it's it's great yeah, yeah. that too and keeping that story going as well. Um what have you have you been involved in many have you comp com competed much as part of Young Farmers? 
Uh, yeah, tons. And just about every competition I'll have done almost uh, lost many of them. I did, the only thing I've done well in is the curling. I've managed to be national champion in that two or three times. But um, yeah, no, I've done everything from golf, which I, I couldn't, can't really golf, still can't really golf, but I do it. Um, I, all the field days, the rallies, everything like that. Cabaret, that's that was a, one of my favourite ones, probably the cabaret, which is talent spot, which is yeah. not a spotlight to anyone that doesn't know. But uh, aye, it was really good. We managed to win the comedy award and that, which was a really good thing to win. No, I always say with the... the com- I did speech making once, once, which was uh, the worst thing I've ever done. But no, I wouldn't say folk to do it. I was just awful at it. It's really funny you say that, right? Because given, given you and I as people were people that will speak in front of folk more than 99% of the members. Yeah. And I hated it. Yeah. And you know the reason I hated it? And I would I strongly, strongly implore anyone to do speech making. You learn so much. But yeah. the way I teach the classes that were taking the piss out of me there yesterday, um, I mean, last year I got stuck in a window trying to jump out a window. Like, I am not the whole stand, look direct, do not move. Nah, not me. Like, I hated it. And... Uh, it's funny that you say that too, as someone that you know is 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 in front of people a lot. Um, quite interesting because it's it's quite often. If you ask someone what's your favorite thing in Young Farmers, it's quite often speech making, and that's quite often people that maybe aren't the speakers. Uh, which yeah, is, which is quite funny now you say that. But uh, are are you a curler out with Young Farmers? Like, yeah, curl. Yeah, you do curl. So yeah, I'll do. Ah, I'll probably have two games a week every day, every week in the winter as well as weekend competitions and stuff. No, I love curling. It's a great community as well. So we well, it's a lot of farmers curl. Yeah. So uh, it's similar sort of banter and stuff, and uh, you meet a lot of great folk in it and travel about to great ice rinks and have a lot of weird weekends that <laughs> that you remember a bit like young farmers. So no, it's it's good fun. Uh, I, w- yeah. I was. Kind of unaware of the whole curling community as well because there's one in Dumfries, and the only only reason I came across it is Callum Wright and Katie Gallagher, who are a couple in our club, actually ex students of mine that I've became really pally with, and were competing on cornets, which I don't think you guys have up where you are, which is like the sort of like the common ridings and that sort of thing. You don't have that nah. sort of thing, do you? No, they seem to kind of be borders and borders south and more, eh? Um, which I'd never came across them from Aaron either, but coming down here, it's obviously quite a big thing, and um. There was a Cornets curling competition, and Callum and Katie had said they needed a team, and they just needed two folk. And myself yeah. and Lauren Nelson went along, and Lauren probably knew this that they were good curlers, and I didn't. And um, so we went there, and I was just sort of playing around, falling over, slipping, hitting my toes with a thing, and all that. And uh, then we won. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know we were doing well. <laughs> I knew yeah, Callum like he could stand up correctly, but uh, yeah, or, or I guess lie down correctly. But um, that was a great game, and and like you say, it just felt like good crack. There was, it was a competition. It was obviously a fun competition, but it was a uh, it was just good crack, and I fair enjoyed it. So yeah, national champion. That's quite cool. Have you had any other national successes? And young farmers. No. Yeah. When you say that, is there other national successes you have had out with young farmers? Yeah, I was going to say in curling, not either. But I've won a few. <laughs> I've won a few. I've won a few things in curling, maybe yeah. not national, but uh, bigger competitions. Uh, Excellent. But I no, not in young farmers. I always think that that's my one, my one national thing. But I suppose it's not bad to at least have one. Very cool, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. When was that? 
uh, last kind of before last year we lost it, and then before COVID we would have probably won it three times before that. I don't right. know what year because of COVID. I don't know what really came before it, but yeah. uh, no, it was bad. I we won it three years in a row, and it was quite good because you had to change the team after every year, so it was bringing in new people as well. So it was quite a, a good awesome. achievement. Because you have to switch half the team. It's like the tug of war or, or other things in Young Farmers that you need to switch half the team if you want it. I didn't know you had to do that in tug of war. So yeah. is that every year? Sure you do. Something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because that, it's, it's weighted and non-weighted in tug of war, it probably makes it easier to switch the team because you're bringing in different people, whereas curling's kind of curling. Yeah, and you're just going to break the ice or not. It doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. <laughs> But no, there's things like like I wish I was better at speech making because to have won that would be amazing. Or I wish I was better at kind of stop judging as well or something like that. Uh, like they things look when you see the buzz people get off one of them, you're like, oh, that would be great to to have been good at that. But I just see, wasn't. This is one of my biggest flaws. You know, I think I'm all right at life and whatnot, but I do not have a competitive bone in my body. Yeah, man, it's weird. Like I mean, see, as a kid, if you had beat me at getting in the door at school like I was livid I don't know what happened I don't know when it disappeared yeah. and we were doing speech making <clears throat> um, and our team was Callum that I mentioned there and the, the curling uh, Ed Martin who was our our chairman at the time and Elspeth who was our secretary and Elspeth's very competitive Ed's pretty competitive yeah. so is Callum and I was like Trips you're not going to change me Like, <laughs> there's no <laughs> point I'm, I'm going to go there I'm going to do what I want to do but I'm not going to be like yeah, I just don't have it. I just don't have it. Yeah. Would help in young farmers, I think, in fairness. Um, yeah, well, you know it's the people that are, and they kind of rise to the top a wee bit, I think, anyway. Whereas, I wouldn't say I'm not competitive. I kind of hide my competitiveness. I'm more go home and I'm annoyed about it than actually let it show at the time. I kind of do the, the Ross for friends. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then uh, go home and I'm, like, pretty gutted about it. Or It's more of myself, but I just don't want to let people down, I would say, is more my thing. Uh, as opposed to doing well, as long as folks said, "Oh, well, he, he tried his best" or something. But sometimes I go to stuff and I go, oh, "I shouldn't have been there. I wasn't really good enough for that." Which yeah. is why I'm most annoyed. Uh, and I feel if I've done my best and I don't do well, and you're like, "Oh well, that's all you could do." But I think that's I think that's probably true actually, because I mean, I think I've been so used to for the last five or six years, like the only real team thing I'd be doing would probably be a relationship. There's only real team thing I did in life for so long, studying for so long, and you sort of learn to paddle your own canoe, albeit there's a lot of fantastic folk around you. Yeah. Coming into Young Farmers, did you, and now obviously as a lecturer, you kind of have an impact on folk, but um, you're actually, your, your actions have an impact on other folk, and you had to make a good point. That's probably what does bring competitiveness out of me, trying to make sure everyone else succeeds. So there's a bit there, there absolutely is. But speaking... Speaking about competitiveness in young farmers, you should be the man to talk to for that, given your <laughs> share of competitions and events. Tell, tell us about that, Grant. Um, you said you've competed in everything, so you're, you're probably the person for it, but what does being chair of comps and events mean? I'm kind of in charge of a very good committee of people uh, that make my job very easy, I would say, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so we're basically in charge of basically what is on the tin, uh, competitions and events. And even though these competitions and events have been running since Young Farmers began, there still seems to be problems with the rules or changes in the rules that don't seem quite right or fair sometimes. Everyone's kind of looking for an advantage nowadays. So it's kind of trying to make it as level a playing field as you can. So any complaints or uh, changes in the rules will kind of come to us and we as a committee can discuss them and uh, 
and ratify them and make make competitions better and hopefully funner for the members and try and keep them updated because like I said most of them have been running since the start of Young Farmers so let's try to keep things fresh and keep people interested in what's going on uh, in Young Farmers as as the world's rapidly changing so it's people's interests and in things so it's important to keep keep it up to date um, as well as that we're doing the the five star awards as well which uh, we're trying to kind of nail down the the five awards that people will be receiving this year. So it's, again, trying to update them because they maybe got a wee bit stale in the last couple of years as they were just kind of coming out of COVID. So it's quite an exciting time, actually, for the committee. So what's the five-star awards? Well, it is the flagship awards do for the young farmers uh, that will be in November, I'm sure. It's I'm sure November 11th because I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's tied in with Agri Affairs Weekend, so a wee a wee plug for that. Get your tickets bought for both, and they're cheaper if you go through the the Agri Affairs, I believe. And um, aye, so it's just going to be a great night, a glitz and glamour, where we give out awards to very deserving young farmers and ex young farmers as well. So there'll kind of be something for everyone as well as a a cracking meal, and uh, I'll be on the microphone, so hopefully a bit. Of, entertainment and a, a, a good band at the end you had me until that um i know i know i know i just need to slip that in i know you've got to put that you got to stop that part of it going in you know every, every, every event has its flaw um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, um, that'll be for the committee to make it better for next year that's it that's it i know the only reason you're there is because you're a chair no, i'm joking that's absolutely <laughs> not the truth at all um the what is it? Is it? This is one thing, and I genuinely ask this for the viewers, but also coming from me as a as a very new member to Young Farmers, um, I do sometimes wonder how in the positions I am, um, <laughs> but five uh, star awards. Is it five? Uh, five um, awards are the same every year, or are they changing year on year? So the last couple of years, because I think this is only the third. Yeah, this is only the third year it's been on. So the first two years were relatively the same, whereas this year we're trying to kind of jazz it up with a couple of new or revamp some awards because they were kind of geared towards COVID to start with because the first year we had it was straight out of COVID. So it was kind of rewarding groups coming out of that, which they deserved it. But now it's kind of moving on that last year they didn't get a huge amount of nominations for some of the the awards. So um, this year it would be good to kind of get new ones that would suit more areas Um kind of make some more kind of social media awards as well because there's not really anything geared towards that so you might have a chance Wallace well that would be a shame for everyone if I somehow won something like that that would just be that would feel like fraudulent at this point <laughs> um, yeah so what as looking at SEYSC's calendar over the course of a year <laughs> such as the way of a calendar um how a uh, What's your what's your you mentioned flagship awards ceremony? What's your flagship event? What's your main ones that really stand out? I guess Highland Show is not your event that <sighs> were heavily involved. Well, you know, yeah, because even the stock judging at Highland Show is not really run by competitions and events. That's got its own separate committee. Yeah, that runs that. So, you think for me personally, or for the events committee, or just oh, in general, you would say you would say this. Obviously, the speech makings, anything that's well, I would say they're all as important as each other almost. Well, the speech making's obviously a huge thing, it's yeah, it's and you get a good prize out of that, I would say. And uh, it's a good one. Uh, the comp, I well, you're on about competitions weekend, I would suppose. Um, 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With the, the finals of that, but there's not over amount. Whereas the you have the member of the year award. That's probably it's right up there, if not the biggest uh, honor to get in Young Farmers as yeah. well as Young Farmer of the Year. Well, I suppose I'm I'm not belittling any of them, but uh, I've I've always seen sort of Young Farmer member and a Stokes person as your sort of. Yeah, I would I would say if, yeah probably. As your best three, it looks the best anyway. Win if uh, you were to win it, yeah. yeah. Well, remember that you're really the guy that's kind of done the most within Young Farmers, who is Mr. or Mrs. Young Farmer, really to a T. So, th- that's a great honor, I would say, for anyone that's won that. It's, uh, it's quite, you know, having come in so recently, and I, I say, you know, it's kind of stupid. I am where I am, I don't actually mean that. I know I probably do bring a lot to what I do, but um. I probably bring a different perspective because I've not been a young farmer whole life. I think yeah. I openly said that I've actually been the person that thought is it as good as it is. And now getting to the stage that I'm seeing what's involved, I'm like, well, yes, it is. I'm kind of eating my words. And and uh, it's 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 actually pretty amazing when you think of the opportunities that it brings and the the, the competitions like you're talking about there um, that allows the chance of putting normal folks like ourselves in the spotlight, you know, which yeah. is uh, it's really quite cool. Uh, you, you asked when I said, uh, what's the biggest uh, thing in the year? And you said, you mean personally or or competitions and events wise? What is your one? Do you have a standout yourself? Well, I, I probably, I like seeing the Stockman of the Year crown just because like, of the reaction and everything. It it's looks mental. Aye, it just looks mm-hmm. amazing. And like, I'm a like you, I could, never get myself in that headset to think I couldn't imagine being the person expecting to win it how you would feel or react that's probably why I've never never been there but uh, yeah. uh, uh, I no I would I wouldn't say I really class anything above anything else maybe the curling but no uh, it's got to be the curling man isn't it? you're uh, the champion there's like six folk and a donkey watching it it's amazing it's, uh... <laughs> the last person I filmed with on the podcast was second place in the donkey at the Highland Show and I mentioned to him I was certain you were the person that we're going to present. No, I, I, I didn't. I didn't make it in time though because I got caught up at the the stock judging. Got it. Got it. I'm, I'm sure Jane maybe sorry that I don't know, but uh, I ended up doing the dairy. Um, How did you know the uh, stuff? How did you enjoy that? The what? The, the, the camera FTV stuff. Yeah, I like it. I, I I don't like when you can do a big spiel and then you kind of muck it up at the end and you go oh. I'd, I'd done quite a good bit there and then I said something rubbish at the end to finish it and you're going, I wish I'd just done the whole thing good. It was quite good having a camera in front of you and I probably come the end of it was quite okay, but to yeah. start with, well, it was a wee bit, what I'm kind of like the now on this, kind of moving about a bit and then yeah, yeah, yeah. not as relaxed as you probably thought you would be with just somebody pointing a camera at you. It's it's weird to some folk, it is it just freezes folk. I actually, I've said a few times, I think the most comfortable I am is either with a camera in front of me or two hundred folk. It's one of the two. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. It just doesn't matter, man. Like they're, they're like yeah, we we have a bit of a laugh. And we had a giggle when we had SAYFC on uh, tournament national uh, national restructure. Uh, poor Sky had a bit of a palaver last year, but uh, it's uh, it's good fun. And and those those issues I had one myself this year, um, where I <laughs> the lady's name was Laurieann. And uh, she was talking goats, and I said, "I'm not going to try and explain anything about these. I'll just uh, no, no, that's wrong. Um, I'm not going to try. And, I'm not going to try ex- 
explain any. Um, and then I basically said, I'm going to butcher this. And then I passed on to Lorianne to continue with the butchering. <laughs> it did not look good at all. Uh, it, I didn't sell it well at all, but it's it's quite good fun and it's quite stressful in fairness. Um, but yeah, did you do the? Did you do the um, the ready steady cook thing? No, I didn't. And then I can't you remember. Did you not do it? Somebody did. No, Jack Young did it. I think. And Jack then I got... did it, and so did someone else. Can't remember. I ended up getting, I was down to do it, and then I ended up not doing it for whatever reason. I don't know why it was, but. There was something, <laughs> something happened last minute, and it was actually my day on the Young Farmer Centre, which was the most stressful day of my life, by the way. Oh, I did not enjoy that at no. all. Um, everyone was so good at what they were doing, and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, know. I was like, yeah, I did the same. I was exact same. People <laughs> asked me about raffle tickets, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm just. I don't know how the card machine works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, no, it was it was quite stressful. But when that was happening, um, they were like, "Oh, we've had to push it forward." Doogie Vipon can't make something else or whatever. Uh, could you come and talk about it? I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I get to try free food." Um, so I might have stolen your place in fairness, just because I was next door. But um, no, that would be fine. I did. I did enough. <laughs> I said, "No, I'm quite sure." Uh, you, along with I believe thirteen others, this summer had uh, quite an experience. Um, for those of you listening, on the 20th to 22nd of July, uh, I tried to walk around Aaron twice, um, which was going fine until uh, I... We, we hear of issues, don't we, and we call it a bump in the road. Yeah, roads. technical issues, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we call them bump in the roads or whatever, and I was said bump in the road with this car. So we hit off the road by a car, tore my calf, did an extra 26 kilometres, but... Just had to bow out just before 50k, which was about maybe, I don't know, maybe 38% of, of the group, which I was going fine if it wasn't for that. But yeah. on the exact same days, uh, some other young farmers were very much more successful in raising for the exact same organisations in SAYFC at national level and RSABI, who previously the Royal Scottish Agricultural Benevolent Institute, um, now now just known as RSABI, a sort of rural Samaritans, if you will, Um could you tell us about that, Grant? Because by God, it looked funny and it looked fun and it looked everything. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think I can't remember what the official tally was. It was about 160, 170 kilometers we did from Aviemore to Bigger Show. So it was really cleverly named. It was A to B uh, cycling, which I didn't actually realize till we got there. It was called that because Aviemore to Bigger, which made it even cleverer. To I didn't realize that until this second. Yeah. Oh, I was like, no way. That's so obvious. How did I not know that? And then I just felt like a light bulb moment. It was just the best feeling ever knowing that that's how it was way more cleverer than I even thought it was. So it was basically we had to cycle down there and we, we had this route and everything. And Amy Margrove organized it to like, it was perfect. She even managed to give herself the Friday off to go to a wedding. It was so perfectly planned. Uh, and me and uh, National Vice Chair Ali Brunton decided we'd make it, I don't know, easier or harder. Some folks said easier for me, harder for him uh, to do it in a tandem bike. Uh, all the way down so uh, I really think I would have struggled to do the whole thing if I'd been by myself to be honest because I'm not a natural cycle a cycler I'm more of a runner I, I don't mind running uh, I've done a marathon and stuff and quite a few half marathons oh, so yeah. uh, I, I prefer running to cycling it was probably my first time on a bike since I was about 15 as was very evident to Ali as I didn't actually know how to pedal properly uh, 
and he had to tell me to pedal on my toes. And after we got that kind of sorted, we we made some uh, ground, but we were very far back until then. But uh, no, it was amazing, and the group were amazing. Such fit people as well that it kind of surprised you some of them how good they were, and everyone was great for morale. And uh, I would definitely do it again with that group if not another. Maybe not in a tandem though, and maybe not cycling. Maybe just driving or. Driving, that's right. I'd love to do a driving fundraiser. Um, I think you it spoke volumes how much you enjoy cycling when you said you're not a cycler. Uh, leave the word cycler. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> Jesus. Um, see that the, the driving fundraiser, mate. Some people do it, and I'm like, I would just love every minute of that. Yeah, I just love a drive. I mean, it's not like I've seen folk do like. India and tuk-tuks or tuk-tuks, whatever the word is. Um, that would be great fun. Uh, but yeah, so how did you time it? Because it was it was staggered days, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think it was the first day was about 60 kilometres. And that wasn't actually too bad from Aviemore down to, where was it? The kind of Aberfeldy area. Oh, well, that's <laughs> downhill though, isn't it? So it's fine. Yeah, so- it was pretty much. It was quite, and I kind of, <laughs> thought it's not too bad and then the next day we had to kind of cycle through Persia to get to basically Concarden Bridge from Aberfeldy kind of cross country which was pretty pretty tough there was a lot of hills and uh, I mean I, I remember at one point we got up to the top of the hill and I pat, patted Ali on the back and he said what was that for and I said for being good at cycling and he, he <laughs> found that quite he found that quite funny that uh, I'd congratulated him for doing what he was there to do but uh, we were, we were just about knackered the two of us and then eventually got over the brow of the hill and it was quite a good feeling. Uh, I'd maybe got carried away. But, it's, uh, it's, it, there's something about when I, I always find when you're doing something like that, the smallest little wins are the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. Especially well, when you're at that stage that you're like, is this going to happen? Can we do this? Uh, you know. Well, I think I'd went up with the mentality slightly cocky. I thought it would have been relatively easy. I don't know why. But I did, because I was like, ah, oh, it can't be that hard. It'll be fine. And uh, after, like, 20 miles on the first day, I was like, oh, my God, my knees were sore. For but once we got the cycling sorted out, my knees weren't sore anymore. But uh, uh, don't cycle on your heels, really, kids, is the takeaway for that. But uh, someone I should have known. And then uh, I, we made it even tougher on the last night. We decided to go for a, a big night out in Concarden before the last day of cycling. So that just added a bit of trickiness. But then cy- cycling in a bigger show was, was well, I'd say more when we finished and bigger and just everyone kind of knackered. But we went in and sat in the pub till they called us up. And just in there was a really great feeling. Everyone had done the same and uh, and felt felt brilliant. And then cycling in a bigger show to kind of get a round of applause and uh, a shot in the beer tent was 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 great fun. Uh, yeah, you can't see just a beer tent, especially a bigger. No, you're better. And aye, uh, aye, no, it was, it was it was really good. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it more than I thought I would, and it was a great fundraiser to do as a group. I would have said, uh, I enjoyed that a lot more than probably doing a challenge like that by myself, where you're kind of alone with your own thoughts. At least me and Ali just had. Uh, we should have done a podcast actually all the way down. Uh, Class with the GoPros on, but. Uh, well, do you know the 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 being on your own? I I I get the vibe. You and I are very similar in this sense uh, that you sort of thrive off of interaction. I, I'm not a fan of being on my own, and it's not that I don't enjoy my own company. I can be on my own for a few hours, yeah, and 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 quite enjoy my own company. But I don't know how people do it prolonged. Yeah, 
and and the hardest thing doing that walk was that man i was just like there, there was two or three people that sort of were like are you the guy doing that walk and i was like and they were like oh can we join you and i was like, i fight on and i am quite a quick walker and they didn't wait for long which was a shame because i really enjoyed that company yeah um, yeah so i think you know your group idea was much better uh much better and uh, it was great to see and it was good to see us getting but, that ripple as you went in yeah the first day it was a wee bit we're kind of conjunct quite a long group actually for so for cars overtaking you we'd be like oh no but then as the day went on we all kind of sorted ourselves out in fitness levels and there was quite a lot of wee groups spot spotted about uh, yeah. so it kind of sorted itself out and it was quite a good road down the side of the nine actually we went down the old day nine so it was quite a good off the off the road yeah uh, so no, I no like I said, Amy Margrove planned like a brilliant route and everything, and uh, yeah, man, you could all get it on your phone, and everyone was going the same way. So she's a bloody good planner, as Amy. Oh, amazing! Yeah, uh, I wouldn't that wouldn't happen without her. To be fair, everything she had organised, and and even where we were staying, and the only yeah. slight mishap we had was our chain came off just as we were going downhill into Pitlochry, but we've managed to get ourselves into a bike a bike repair shop I don't know what they call them but anyway and the guy did a service on it and it was right next to a pub luckily enough so it kind of gave us 45 minutes of our of our break the I think a bike repair shop is what a shop in which you repair bikes is called yeah yeah it's not a garage <laughs> a bike garage that can't be right it can't be no I would say I would say I got that right I would feel no having that one a bike garage um it's just, it's just a garage with inner tubes and we plasters in it, is it not? Well, that was by by what still took twenty quid to do a service on it. I was like, what did you do? <laughs> You've got a chain and a, a wheel, two wheels, and that's it. But to be yeah. fair, he got us going, so we, we were whatever it cost, that was probably quite cheap. How uh, how much did you raise? <clears throat> Again, I should really know this. I think it was it was over five grand, I'm sure. Yeah, it was was it? Uh, it wasn't over six, was it? I can't remember. I remember. I think it was over five, which was amazing. To be fair, yeah. I, I thought if we go over two, it was good. Yeah. Uh, kind of three or four, and then to get over five, just it kind of makes it worth it when you're finished. I feel these fundraisers because sometimes you can do them and it, it doesn't really work, or folk don't back it because you've done a few that year or something. And uh, but folk really got behind that, which was good. I, I, I try and kind of do one a year, a fundraiser, because I feel if you do more than one, it starts to kind of, everyone's eyes, you're always asking for money a wee bit. But. I completely agree. I don't like doing much. I think when one comes along, I'm like, yeah, I can get, I can do this. This is one folk will get behind and I believe in it. And it's not just to say I earned, well, not earned, that's not the term, um, raised a certain amount. That's, yeah. But I don't like these sort of like serial fundraisers. I'm not a fan of that. Um, you mentioned it was quite nice to sort of get the applause as you come into a bigger show. In your line of work, Grant, you'll be quite used to applause um, because you are a, a performer, a comedy man. Um, tell us tell us about that. I mean, when I think about comedy, the, the pinnacle in my head from a sort of, um, I don't know what you call that scene. In my head, it sounds like the indie scene, but that's not what it's called, uh, is, is the fringe. The fringe just sounds cool. I have never been, um, but you've 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 performed there. But tell us about <clears throat> before even the fringe. Tell us about comedy. Like how how did that come about? We've been speaking for whatever half an hour. You're clearly quite funny. There's probably quite a few folk you meet that are quite funny, but don't make the decision to do that. Why did you do it? 
I think I like how you called it line of work there. I've never been paid to do it, so it's probably not work. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just it's a weird one comedy because I kind of thought like I don't know. I'm probably reasonably funny around my friends, and I thought they've probably got more self-esteem than me, so they didn't feel they needed to do comedy, and I felt I did. But uh, it's uh, I don't know why I decided to do it. It's probably I actually remember back in primary school, a teacher asked me what to what to be, and I said I wanted to be a comedian. And I don't know if that's subconsciously sat in the back of my head for all this time. To after lockdown, I kind of went in with a I'm doing anything now mode, and I decided I wanted to do it. I've kind of. Over years, I've collected notes on my phone of things I think are funny. Yeah. And I've got like a huge note. Like, I'll go and read stuff and I'll go, What was I thinking that day? Delete that or, mm. or try and get some gold out of wee bits and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know why I wanted to do it. I just did. And uh, I mind once uh, the very first cabaret after lockdown, West Fife didn't have anything entered. And I said, Oh, I'd, I wouldn't mind doing 10 minutes myself and I'll see what I can come up with. And it was, everyone said it was good, but I recently found the video on YouTube that I didn't actually know existed. And it was absolutely horrendous. And I'm like, how, why did people lie to me and say it was good? But then that kind of, lie to me. <laughs> that's kind of started me on this spiral that I then signed up to do Red Raw at the stand, which is on a Monday night. And it's for new acts. And it's amazing. There's like 200 people watching. Uh, which was the first time I did it. And you're basically guaranteed laughs in there. It's pretty easy. The folk are not, like, they're soft on you. They right. let you away with anything. So then I went, so I'm like you, I went and did that and I came away. I'm like, oh, I'm awesome. I'm, I'll be at the Apollo next in like a month <laughs> if I keep going at this rate. So then I signed up to another one and it was like four people, I think, were at it. Right. And by the time I got on, it was like an hour and a half till I got on. And there was like, uh, Two of them were left, and they were Croatian, and they'd never even heard of Fife or anything like that. And I got nothing, and I'm kind of like, oh, well, that's that career over. But then, like you said, you speak to a lot of folk, and they kind of tell you, you need to learn for the bad ones, but then not always think it's your fault a wee bit, because they, they four people could be in your room when there's 100 people, and you wouldn't hear them not laughing. You would only hear the 100 that is. So it's all kind of, you have to take a lot into perspective. And I feel that how you're on about the fringe it can be quite it can be an amazing place when it's going well but it can be a really depressing place when it's going wrong like i think i'm lucky because i've got the farm so i don't think about it too much but then there's a lot of acts i was speaking to were like doing their hour and say only five or six folk turned up for their hour that's all they had to show for their day yeah and then they were back to doing whatever they were doing then going to bed and then waking up the next day hoping it's going to be better and say it's the same again then so is is there, is there some people's that is there some people performing whose livelihoods are dependent on that or is there yeah well this is a mental one there was a guy well how i said i did a show so i bought a, a guy put on facebook saying that his show wasn't going well and he was wanting to sell it and he was selling it pretty much dirt cheap and i was like well if i could sell out a couple of nights i'd make money back and any more is a bonus yeah. so i bought it off from but then i've not got an hour a comedy myself or of good comedy not even close i've got about 20 minutes a long time man. that's a long yeah time. oh well five minutes is a long time See, yeah. about five minutes of materials mental so then I, I got friends so we kind of made it a compilation show and i got this guy to run it uh this irish guy and uh he that was that was his sole job and he had a show on at the fringe there was a 120 seater and he was getting like it wasn't like selling out much either and you're kind of like oh, that would be quite tiring and then i met this irish guy that came and did our show one night and he was saying he was a dairy farmer for ireland 
Right. And he just told his dad that he wasn't he didn't want to do the farming anymore and he was going for two years to try and make it in comedy. Right. And I was like, Jesus, you're brave. And then you saw him and he he, he wasn't great. Uh yeah. that's tough. It, it was rough around the edges. Like you will get better, I'd imagine, but you're kind of like, oh geez, and that's that's you left the farm. That's you a way to do it. Because I mean, I've done it for like nine months now, and I've made, I've not really had any money back from it apart from this wee fringe run. But I don't really, I don't do it for the money. It's, it's like a nice feeling. Yeah, as well, if I'm any good, the money will come. I don't feel I should be worried about that yet. Yeah, I that, wouldn't do it for the money at the start. Once it starts to come, yeah, fair, monetize around it. But I think people that, and this is the same with any business or not business, that's not true, any passion, whether it's social media, comedy, music, whatever, if you're doing it for the money at the start, you're not going to enjoy it. Uh, no. Yeah. That's a good and I've, always, I've always said that I would choose, because uh, a lot of comedians are like, oh, if you ever got really good, what would you choose, farming or comedy? I says, well, farming, hands down. Right, okay. So then a lot of them are like, oh, what are you doing it for? And I'm like, well, it's as like you said it's like a hobby it's good fun which I don't know if that kind of pisses them off a wee bit because they're everyone else is trying to be the next Kevin Bridges pretty much apart from you get some old guys that are absolutely hilarious and have just never probably marketed themselves correctly and have never yeah. made it and uh, they're like my favourite guys because you can chat to them all day they're not bothered about ego oh. or anything they're just brilliant fun and uh, there's a couple of young guys like that but then there's some of them are just trying to get there so that's sometimes you got like open mic nights you have to go to all the time and it can be only comedians in the crowd and they don't want to really laugh at your jokes because that'll make you sound better yeah. to the guy that's organising it and it's a wee bit vice versa. Whereas I don't care, I quite enjoy uh, just seeing good comedians to be fair. And there's a lot of folk I would never see that I'm seeing. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. It's interesting that, because, I mean, my comparison is, is podcasting purely because it's a thing I do. Yeah. And I've created a group chat with every that I'm aware of British farming podcaster and because I've done that we all have a chat right and it's really good but I also speak to a lot of people in the game elsewhere whether it's non-farming podcast everything and you meet some and they're the people that their life they've put all their eggs in that basket that's the way to put it I'm in the position like you with lecturing where you're farming that I have a thing and it's a notably good career I'm lucky I can do this and I love it. I would not be doing this. Yes, it makes me money, but I would not be doing it if it wasn't fun. And I know if this stopped being fun, I'll find another thing. But when it's the thing that you need to do to make money, I don't think you can enjoy it. You can't. Like, it's if all the pressure's there, it's a different thing. Like. Well, especially in like the comedy or that way, you have to, you can't be uptight when you go on the stage because oh. the crowd knows. Like, like this Irish guy, halfway through the fringe, he, he probably wasn't that funny and you're kind of going come on man you need to take a step back or something it's just not not work if you're trying to force it that's when it's at its worst but if you just kind of like the best nights I had when it was full of I basically knew the whole audience and it was just a great laugh uh, yeah, yeah. there was no pressure and then and sometimes I'd go in and I wouldn't well uh, sometimes I didn't know anyone it was fine as well but there was some like when there was only eight people in 
and they weren't laughing. You're kind of going, well, that you aren't enjoying this, and I know you're not. And I kind of almost feel bad in myself that you're not enjoying it. And I know you're not going to enjoy the rest of my jokes because you didn't like the first three or four. <laughs> and you don't, I don't really know. That's probably my thing. I don't really know where to go then when no one laughs. But uh, it, luckily enough, it doesn't happen too often. But they're the ones you always remember at night. You never remember the good ones. You always remember like the awkward ones. And I think but, that, yeah, that's a a mentality of someone that does want to get better, I think. That's how yeah. I I'd probably say I'm not, I've never really been bothered about them. Like, yeah. I've kind of went away and went, oh, well, that was what it was. Um, no point no point dwelling on it too much, but then hopefully not going back and making the same mistake again. Because you can sit and you can write a joke for like a week and you can be like, that's hilarious. And then go and tell it and then nobody laughs. or you tell it wrong or something, you're like, yeah. Oh man, that took me like a week to write, and it was rubbish. Uh, I'm going to show you something that's quite strange because you just went over it. Oh, uh, you've got it as well. Ah, uh, that's pretty much the same as mine. <laughs> uh, for those you listening, watch your show. Grant was a uh, exact thing he mentioned. I've got a notes app full of it. Not for doing comedy, but I guess when you're doing speeches and stuff, you need to be somewhat funny, which is a shame for you lot if you're going to have to experience me in November. Um, but no, here, Grant, it's good fun, man. I mean, this is a podcast in food and farming and, and the people we've had on, you know, it's been great fun. And, and the fact one of them is now a comedian, but still very much in food and farming. Um, is... Plus, I got on before Jim Smith. You did indeed. You did yes. indeed. The funniest man in Fife has came on first, that's for sure. Well, um, he's not in Fife, but yeah. Oh, isn't he not? That's what I'm No, <laughs> no but I'll take that because then it's hopefully it's still true. Basically the same thing. Uh, I'll be getting lynched if I say that. Um, do you know him? Uh, kind not through comedy. I'm not actually. I really. I, I need to phone him one time and probably say what's happening. But we're very different comedians because he's. Uh, well, he's like Brian to doing farming comedy, obviously. Yeah. And stuff like that, and that's what he's really well known for. And I'm kind of trying to not do that because then I feel. Not that there's comparisons at the moment, but like if I did get good at it, then you'd be like, oh, he's just trying to be like him. So I kind of, yeah. my stuff's more cruder, probably. But then, <laughs> that's what all you go at, like young comedians, they're all crude to start with because you just try to get in with the shock factor that folk will remember you and then try and do something with substance yeah. a bit. So, and nah. Yeah, I think that's probably quite true. I think to get that first reaction, it's quite hard, soft, isn't it? You've almost got to go in. Or, yeah. Um, well, if you go in poor, then like the stand, like I said, the stand, you try and need to get in with them because they're kind of the best in in Scotland for for the comedy scene. I would say anyway. And if you go in your first few are rubbish, then they'll just not book you again. Yeah. So you need to try and go in strong, and then hopefully get better, and and then they kind of nurture you a wee bit. But do uh, you see a potential future in it? I like to think so. Um, it's it's probably right on the edge now that I either go for it more or not because I'm starting to look at going down to England and stuff, which is like then starting to take up a bit of time. Yeah, uh, I did go down to Manchester once and I was pretty. I bombed. I had too many beers on the train, which I learned. <laughs> from. I kind of went into comedy thinking that you could do it drunk and it'd be funnier, but. I've quickly realised that it's not my head scrambles like TV static and I can't be quick on my feet when I've had even like five or six like when I go through Edinburgh I don't have any beer before it or maybe yeah. one 
maybe like half a bottle before I go on or something, but nothing mental. Uh, and I've, that's one thing I've learned that I'm rubbish at it, drunk. Uh, I've but, uh, uh, I've stopped drinking. All right. You you saw me the last time I drank. At uh, Highland Show? Yeah. <clears throat> You've not drank since? No. Um, and the reason, I, I am not a big drinker. As you saw that night, I can drink. <laughs> yeah. I very rarely do. And uh, basically that night, I had that full bottle of Grey Goose. And um, I had two hours sleep. And I was like, I was fine in the morning, in fairness. But uh, I then did the same thing two nights later without the drink. And I had just as good a time. And I was like, oh, what's the point? Um, so, yeah, I, I have stopped, actually. <clears throat> basically me every Sunday. But then by next Friday, I'm... <laughs> it's something I wish I could like as someone that I, I, I'm trying to work on but I find it I find it tough I don't know why uh, yeah, I, I think some folk are like oh I've stopped drinking and you should I couldn't care less man I just wasn't doing anything yeah no I, I totally get that and uh, I wouldn't do it for anything else than myself but and I keep saying I'm gonna and I never ever get close um, yeah. I did dry January that's the closest I got and then, like, the 1st of February came and I was speaking at a dinner and I got absolutely out of my face after it. So it's like, it's like I learned I learned absolutely nothing. But, yeah. no, I don't know. I always say that if I could stop drinking and I'd probably, if I chose my Saturday nights to write more stuff and that. That's my main aim is by this time next year to be able to do an hour in front of people. An hour is insane. I was listening to Jim Jeffries on a podcast and he said, if you break it down to a minute a week, then come the end of the year, you should have an hour. Well, roughly 52 minutes. I was going to say, he doesn't understand how long an hour is. I'm joking. No, I I'm being a dick. I'm being a dick. Yeah, no, 100%. That's a good way to put it. Mean, it means when you're writing your minute, you're probably going to write 10, but as long as one minute of that 10 is good and just yeah. keep picking your good stuff, Ken, like my 20 minutes are now, by this time next year, hopefully I'll not even need that as my main aim. Yeah. But to do that, there'd be a lot of work. So that's what I'm kind of setting one year to do it. And if within that year I'm no further forward, then I'll probably just go like, do it like I like the after dinner speaking that's just as fun because you get to go everywhere but yeah. I like the comedy probably more being on a stage where it's just you're, you're your own kind of devices a wee bit you're not really on a topic or, and or do, anything do you like do you get like hecklers at that level or is that not a thing is it like the, almost fun hecklers aye, they kind of say like oh eh, don't heckle too much because these guys are new they're trying to get going but yeah. then like like, well, they, that run I did at the French, or sometimes, like, my friends were coming in that had been out all day, and you were getting heckled, and you yeah. could kind of put them down. It wasn't too... too uh, I, I don't mind it. Like, as long as it wasn't, like, constant, I'd probably That's get more yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much you actually get them, because like Jimmy Carr, he wants you to heckle them, or, like, these comedians kind of invite it on, whereas I feel like you go to some comedians and then there's not a heckle the whole night. Like, I'll ask the audience stuff, and just get them to shout out like uh, like their perception of Fife or something like that. And most of them say it's a shithole. And then I then, go on to, I then go on to tell them why it is. And uh, <laughs> well, well, you've just ruined my show. You've said everything I was going to say. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, oh, you're a top-notch fan. It's, it's always good to speak to like a slightly different story. And, and as I said at the start, Grant, you and I have known each other for maybe four months. And, and I felt like, I felt pretty quickly... I like to think I've got quite a quick wit. When you and I sat next to each other, I was having a bloody good time, man. Yeah, really nah, it's a good laugh. Um, yeah, hopefully it won't be long until that is happening again. Um, but uh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's always no problem. I've uh, loved chat. it.
I was going to say, have you enjoyed it? I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, it, it's Joe's kind of mad. I always think this is kind of crazy. It always sort of happens. It's already been an hour, like that. Yeah. It's a much easier hour than it is standing on your own, trying to be. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, no. As always, thank you very much. But there's two questions I ask everyone before you uh, before you leave, and I think you've actually already answered these questions, so we'll ask you them anyway. Uh, one is where do you see yourself in five years as a 32-year-old man on Live at the Apollo? And uh, two, if you had any tips for folk coming into farming, it normally is, but let's go with comedy for a bit of fun. What would they be? <clears throat> the the first one, the five years one? Yep, let's go for it. Probably, well, personally, I'd like, well, my grandpa, he's still in charge of the farm, so maybe we'll have moved that on a bit since there. Uh, hopefully, we're always looking to pick up more ground. I would like to be more ground, me and my brother working kind of side by side. What that right. looked like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like you said, the comedy. Hopefully, it's it's booming by then. If not, if it's not booming by then, it'll not be happening. Uh, sort of style. Uh, personally, a relationship. I've been going out with my girlfriend now for a considerable amount, considerable amount of time. So come thirty two, I might be needing to start to put my priorities somewhere else. <laughs> uh, these are the most nervous I've been answering questions on it. Actually, I hope she doesn't listen to this. I better hear you better be answering it in line with what she's expecting as well. We don't yeah, worry. well, we've, we've moved in together, so it's probably the lineal thing next is it's going quite well. So we'll see. Almost, was, almost friends are getting engaged. Well, this is it. I was quite impressed to see the hairspray behind you there. Um, yeah, I know. And well, that's this table here, straighteners and bloody everything. I did think your hair was looking awful straight. I know. I mean, I could I could put on the vanity mirror and then I, I light up. I maybe. Oh, that's lovely now. <laughs> I know, I know. It's too bright though, I can't see. It's like standing on a stage. But uh, no, so no, that's when I'm actually doing it from our dressing room. It's actually got great acoustics in here. But uh, very good. No, so I there'll be a lot of growing up probably in the next five years or not. Uh, we'll see. I but, doubt it, mate. I can't see it. No, probably not. I'll probably be 32 going. I never thought this is what it'd feel like to be 32. I thought it'd feel different. <laughs> Uh, as I say every year, I go, I can't believe this is what it feels to be this age. When I was younger, this felt mental, but now right. it just feels normal. It's weird, yeah. isn't it? That, actually, yeah. It's weird. yeah. Man, I felt like that was, I'd be done by then, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. You probably don't feel that dissimilar to when you're 18, just more knowledge, maybe, or less knowledge, I don't know. Less. But, like, yeah. The only thing there's more of is um, cellulite and beards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's cellulite and beers. But, uh... <laughs> there's no chance I'm on more beers now than I was when I was 18 that's for sure yeah uh, and, uh, I'm, probably, I'm probably kept that similar track record for like 10 years but uh, and then consistently consistently and then I for anyone doing comedy probably going just do it because your results are pretty instant if uh, you're good yeah. the crowd will let you know if you're not they'll let you know um, fine I would always say the way I did it, going to the stand first and getting a big crowd. Because uh, if you if you just go to these wee ones and judge it on that, then you're probably not going to learn a lot. You need to get probably a decent... I don't know. I'm still kind of starting out myself. It's not... Uh, everyone's, everyone can't believe how long I've been doing it when they speak to me, that it's not that long. Yeah. Like, I've done, I've done about 60 gigs, which maybe seems loads to you, but, like you're talking to guys that have done like a thousand gigs. When you tell them you've only done 60, they're like, oh, Jesus, you're, you're fresh as can be. Whereas I feel like yeah. I've been doing it, doing hunt like loads. <laughs> uh, so I'm probably doing it as much as you can. And then if, if you believe you're funny, you probably are. 
I would say. Yeah. There's not many. That's a big part of it, I'd assume. Yeah, and then for well, for the farming as well, it's probably quite similar if you want to do it and get into it. Just don't let anyone hold you back, although it is. There is tr- it's easy for me to say it because I was born into a farm. But Yeah, for sure. I always find that a hard question to ask, actually. I'm glad I went to the comedy one because I'm coming from a different angle. Yeah. Well, than, than people that are just trying to get into it. It's amazingly tough and I can never really put myself in these shoes, shoes which I always count myself incredibly lucky for. The reason this began, this podcast, was um, back in July 2020, someone messaged me, how do you get into farming? And similar to you, Grant, you know what? I'm sure unless there's a major fallout between me and my parents, I'll follow you to a 2,000 acre farm and, and all this sort of thing. And I'm not even there. And I'm like, I'm not the person to answer this question. So I just started phoning people and writing stories about them and then filming with them. So, uh, yeah, it is is a tricky one for some of us to answer. Um, Do you think you will go back? I think that depends on a partner I might have in the future. Ah. You know, if if I have someone that likes the idea of that life, if I get, and I think I probably am one of those people because I'm quite driven in this sense that will get the stage that, you know, I can kind of choose how I live my life in some ways. Um, if they're into that sort of thing, yes. I'm very much on the fence about it. I would love it and I'm loving this. You know, like, so I don't know. Um, I'm also only 26. Mum and dad are, are 60 and 58. So, like, they, they, they've they're not the type that'll stop the second they hit 65 and 60, you know, so they'll keep going until they want. So I've got time, I don't think pressure and there's always the chance to rent out and I've got a lot of friends that, um, I've got a lot of people that I would like to consider to offer that tenancy to as well. So yeah, yeah, I don't know, man, it's, it's, a, it's a, I think you probably see this, it, it comes with people seeing it as a privilege and they think you're a bit of a dick for not knowing exactly what you want to do, but you don't. So um, it's just the way it is. I don't know what the yeah. answer that's like the last year I've probably learned more about myself than I have my first 26 which yeah and if I can keep doing that year on year then hopefully I'll better myself I don't know but uh, I I used to think oh it's just going to be the farm but now I've done all this other stuff going out and about and I've really enjoyed it like uh, being in front of people and my confidence has grew a lot more than I ever thought it could yeah Uh, so I it's just whatever opportunities I get like I said there's a few things that came out from the fringe already and hopefully a few more over the winter, I don't know, but I think you learn to realise there's more than what's down the farm track. There's more further out. There's there's a there's a lot there and there's a lot of opportunities. Yep. Um but yeah, not here, man. It's been a pleasure, as I said. Thank you for your time. Um as always, and uh, it's been another good episode. Uh, for those of you listening, I hope you've enjoyed. That was Grant Barr talking about farming, comedy and all the things in between. Um next episode we have with martin holman who is a norwegian celebrity uh, so that'll be quite fun a lot of good episodes coming up i apologize it was a wee bit slower through august there was actually two days we didn't release um but the only reason for that was it was just in africa and i didn't want to uh i didn't before i left i didn't want to be in the position that i felt i needed to be on Facebook and Instagram and all that while I was out there. It was fine. It ended up it was okay, but I just didn't want to put that pressure on myself. I wanted to make sure I had a good time. So that was the only reason for that. <clears throat> We're now back. We're already three or four weeks ahead. So I'll try and get a month and a half ahead, which is bloody hard when a month and a half is 12 episodes. Um, 
but we will get there, and especially when one of them was three hours this week. Uh, so yeah, we'll get there. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Any guests you'd like to see on, please get in touch. Please don't be offended when I don't have them on because I do get about 20 messages a week. Um, yeah, thank you all for listening. Grant, thank you for your time. <clears throat> no problem. Uh, it was a pleasure, and we shall see you all for episode number 137. See you then. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far, and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen, and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural, and on Facebook at A Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.